This is a warning, sugar. You're about to listen to the masters of the obvious. But I'm going to keep it real with you, my sweet babies. These mamas ain't masters of shit. It's just two stone-cold foxes and their feminist agenda. But if you dig sexy things like interviews down by the fireplace, talking nerdy and little double entendre, keep on keeping on, because they're about to lay it on you. Right on. And welcome to the 13th episode of Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On this anxiety-riddled election week episode, Kirsten and I discuss nerd news, new comic releases, and self-care. We also have an interview with activist, casting director, and the hottest woman to ever be on a podcast, Lenora Clare. But first, we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have a ton of merch for sale. And if you'd like to support this pod by taking advantage of free shipping in the U.S., well, we really appreciate you. And hey, I can see your constitutional rights aren't the only thing you've been exercising. Ow! And you can check out our shop and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. Hey, Kirsten. Hey, that's me. What have you been up to? Well, it was just Halloween. We didn't really have official Halloween costumes because we have an online presence. We felt the, you know, pressure to post something. So my kids went as MySpace scene kids. Oh, they looked so good. Pretty spot on. Halloween's a good time for us because we're friends with so many drag queens who know how to make wigs. And they made some pretty cringeworthy scene kid wigs for my kids. And they look look great. I, I felt personally attacked. They looked like many a millennial that I I knew in New York in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Rawr. They looked like, um, I was going to name some, but I thought probably that's about not a good this idea. call out podcast. <laughs> Whatever. They looked really good. Um, they looked great. Well, what was Max best as? So Max did a few costumes this year. Uh because he has a costume bucket. He just likes to rotate through costumes all the time. But uh, he dressed up as, you know, a Lego guy during the day. And at night I did his makeup and he was Jack Skellington. So it was fun. He it was really it. just an ordinary day for Max. It really was. This kid loves uh, any excuse to, I mean, he wears an astronaut costume around 24 seven with the helmet. And he was among us before among us. <laughs> he is very sus. He so. walks around saying that people are sus. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He's a big fan of among us. Yeah. Did you do anything else for Halloween? Did you throw a big rager? I threw a huge rager. I made out open mouth kiss everybody. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we stayed home. That's smart. I, I'm yeah. proud of you. We also stayed home and uh, we played some board games. Oh. I got to choose. And of course, I chose Clue because it's the only thing that I can totally make a clean sleep in. You really got to own those kids. They got to know who's boss. Oh, I handed everyone their asses. It was delightful. It was funny, though, watching my uh, middle kid, Ani, because the whole thing is that you're trying to figure out, you know, who it was with what, and where. So you're trying to kind of play poker. We're like, do, do they have those cards? What's going on? Where are they headed to? And I was looking at my my daughter and like she's just completely unreadable i'm like is she like so smart that she's throwing everyone off or is she so stupid and bad at this game 
Turned out it was the latter. <laughs> oh, I love that little muffin. My husband is very competitive. He ended up making an accusation way too early in the game and was out. But before then, he kept showing me the same card over and over again to be cheeky. He's like, was it the dagger? Is it the dagger? The dagger? And I think he tripped himself up. That's what you get. And like a typical mediocre white man and all the confidence in the world, he started off with an accusation very early in the game. And oh my God, was he wrong? Of course he was. Men are wrong. Point blank. So good. I mean, you're not wrong. You knew. You knew he was going to be wrong. I'm never wrong about anything. Fact check me. Clearly. (laughs) Oh man. Did you see any good costumes online? Anything worth mentioning? What was your favorite that you saw? My favorite was this guy who dressed up as a discarded mask. Oh. He was a disposable mask laying in the ground, which oh. of course masks are the unsung hero of the pandemic and people just leave them everywhere. And I was like, wow, if any costume's going to date you, it's going to be that. We're going to know exactly what year that was from. I mean, some people just want to be timely. I, I mean, for real, like Lizzo being the fly on Mike Pence's head. There were a lot of fun, timely ones. And the one I saw that like the most, I'm not even sure if it was like a throwback picture, but I was, I'm just the pettiest bitch. So I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Someone dressed up as ghost face James Charles. And I, (laughs) oh my God, it just set my world on fire. couldn't there's nothing you dislike more than beauty influencers i mean when they're problematic and don't really know what they're doing i mean if you're gonna be a beauty influencer and you're gonna suffer from ghost face someone better call your ass out on it someone someone better do that even even i know that i need to wear specific finishing powder it's fine like i don't begrudge the kid any money he's made whatever but that costume was the shit that was pretty spot on have you been listening to anything, watching anything, diddling your bean? <laughs> Do you want me to give you a breakdown of that too? That's a different podcast. <laughs> I, you know, I listen to podcasts a lot, but nothing worth mentioning. Nothing that needs to be plugged. Everything's super well, fucking what, famous. What's always on your list though? In my library, I have, um, I love it or leave it. Yes. Pod Save America. Mm-hmm. Casual Wednesdays. Yes, Casual Wednesdays. Right? Can I tell you that I kind of fangirled when I saw that Jared left a review? I know. Hi, Jared. I hope you're listening. Hi, Jared. It was a great <laughs> review. Thanks. Um, yeah, so that Mark <laughs> Marin hysteria. I love Mark Marin for a lot of reasons, but especially because he doesn't downplay what's currently going on at all. Like, he's panicked. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he says it every single episode. You gotta love how honest he is. So yeah, yeah, my brother, my brother and me, the bald and the beautiful, which is Katya and Trixie's. This isn't fair. You're just listening to the ones that I listen to. Oh, um, Pod Save the People, We Speak Beauty, which is a friend of mine's. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I think the only one you didn't mention that I also listen to is Night Vale. I don't know what that is. Um, so it's like a fake radio station in this really bizarre town called Night Vale where all these like paranormal things are happening. And it has a lot of a heavy des- dose of humor as well and sarcasm. So many good one-liners on it too. Mm. I love that the radio intern gets killed pretty much every episode. And like, <laughs> anyway, now for the news. He's like Kenny. <laughs> exactly. I think you'd like it. Oh, I got to put that on there. That sounds great. And I've been watching, obviously, I watched The Mandalorian. We'll talk about that later. Of course. I watched a couple scary movies because Halloween did happen. I watched The Invisible Man, Hereditary, Suspiria, and Host. I love Tony Collette. Oh, 
can we just talk about Tony Collette? Like, I will always talk about Tony Collette. Has she not gotten an Academy Award yet? I don't think so. She really needed one for this movie, but of course, they never give them out to horror movies. Um, no. She's just amazing from Muriel's Wedding to Velvet Goldmine to just everything. She's just United States of Terra. She's never bad. It's always great. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of these movies that I watched, a lot of scary movies I watched were uh, recommended by our inter- our past interview, John Schnitzer. Schnitzer, yes. And, and he who didn't, better to recommend a horror movie than him? Didn't disappoint. They were all fantastic. Um, host was super fun, short, easy to watch. Really recommend watching it on a computer because it's set up like Zoom, like we are right now. But spooky things happen in the background. <laughs> You're never going to see Zoom meetings the same after that. I really feel like I like a condensed short horror movie. Doesn't need to go on very long. Like, there's your premise: seance during a Zoom, and boom, scary, 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 dead, 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 done. Like, it's just dead, dead, dead. (laughs) It didn't need a lot. Like, it was great. I really appreciated that they all used their same names. They were actual friends. Like, it really was recorded on Zoom. Like, it was smart. It was cute. There was just one moment where I was like, "Why are you still on the Zoom?" Obviously. The movie would stop would if they no, weren't. There would be no movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was um, it was good. It was really cute. A cute. I hate, I use that word a lot, but you know what I mean. And then Suspiria, which the new Suspiria blew my mind. I was... I gotta watch that one. They didn't have to go that hard. Like, the visuals it was, in the original ooh. are just... Mwah, chef's kiss. And it's different. They use a different it's different but it's fucking gorgeous and it's longer and the story's more involved and the ending is different and then tilda swinton plays three characters which you don't realize until after the movie and even in the credits it's not credited as her you have to you had to go online and do that research to find out it was her wow yeah it was awesome it was mm, it was really 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 good well we know that tilda swinton is very diverse you can play any role asian man (laughs) anything anything i didn't realize it was a uh a amazon prime movie yeah they're really putting out some quality content yeah they killed it they killed it thanks bezos i guess i went to yeah bezos Beelzebub. i went to one amazon prime premiere and and it was a really fun event so they are doing good stuff i think it's the only way i can sing their praises is with their media because everything else i feel really guilty indulging in same and then i also started watching good omens I only watched a couple yes. episodes of that. Terry it was, Pratchett. It was great. It was great. I also watched a few episodes of Doom Patrol. I don't want to hear what you have to say now. <laughs> I already know. I was, I, don't I know you it. could you could tell by the the tone in my voice that you I know you don't want to hear it. <laughs> I really wanted to uh, enjoy it. I really wanted to have something else to watch a lot because I need to in the fill right that void. Frame of mind. That's sure. that's what yeah. I'm going to go with. You were in the right frame of mind when you were watching it. That's not. Mm-mm. To me, it felt like uh, Umbrella Academy with just Allison and number one. Like it didn't, I, there was nobody I gave a shit about. And except, I will say Brendan Fraser did a great job and Alan Tudyk is the shit, always the shit. But I just didn't care. I wanted to care. I'm like, honestly, so hurt that you didn't find a camaraderie with Crazy Jane. I wanted to. I really did. But it was just. First of all, you don't like War of the Rings. You couldn't vibe with Doom Patrol. Mm-mm. You've never, you don't know how to play Clue. No. This friendship is doomed. We're the real Doom Patrol here. <laughs> did we just watch the dissolution of this podcast in real time? You did. You did. Man, we too bad. You knew it was coming. 13 episodes, man. That was a good run. Well, it is an unlucky number, so. Mm. It was bound to happen. It was. <laughs> 
I think we should hop into some nerd news. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? What isn't going on? First of all, we got our first look at Batwoman. Javicia Leslie is Batwoman. Looking fine. Looking so fine. 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 Yeah, we both weren't really fans of Ruby Rose in the role, but especially weren't fans of her wig. Her wig, which every man had to mansplain to me, was comics accurate. I don't give a fuck. You still could have made it look good. At least put some baby powder in it, like get the shine out. Did they think that my problem was the color? No, you dipshit. It was a fucking 99 cent store fucking plastic ass wig. That was my problem. God, even even Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy and that whack ass. But I will say the gayest. I feel like it should be in the in the official LGBTQ movie list. Batman and Robin. There was so there was so many crop shots. We are not talking about and the <clears throat> the camp icons. No. It was beautiful. It's a terrible movie. It's terrible. It was beautiful. Oof. But yeah, DC definitely has a penchant for bad red hair, like Mira and Aquaman. Oh my Just God. Just never ends. They don't have a good history with this, but they seem to have self-corrected. This one they looks did. great. They did. This one looks great. Yeah. And a strong bisexual black woman. Like there's nothing not to like there. I'm excited. And speaking of DC, Red Hood will be coming to Titans. So this was like a formal, formally was the DC Universe flagship show. And it's going to be an upcoming HBO Max series. And it's in production for its third season. But we got a look at Jason's Red Hood super suit. And I gotta say, along the lines of saying comic accurate, it is that. There's some slight deviation, but for the most part, it's on point. Since we're still on the subject of DC, we have to bring up Joss Whedon. Since we're on the subject of bloated white gingers. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about bad red wigs. Joss Whedon. <laughs> we already know him and Ray Fisher have a, a very sordid history. First, it was creating a hostile work environment. Now Ray Fisher is saying that there's some um, racism on set, specifically that he had ordered the complexion of an actor of color to be changed in post-production because he didn't like their skin tone. I mean, does it get worse than color erasure? Like, what the really? fuck, man? Jocelyn's hitting all the notes of a terrible person lately. Like, what a beautiful medley of terrible. Right? There's no reason to not believe Ray Fisher. No. He, he's basically sabotaging his own career to be... Uh, a whistleblower a whistleblower and mm -hmm. for anybody to think that he's doing this to forward his career is is just completely fucking crazy because hollywood is a place where you have to play the game and have people want to work with you and not think you're gonna fucking you know be a whistleblower or cause a cause a fucking scene like exactly it's not he's not doing himself any favors he's fucking being a good person and the grossest thing is that Whedon's lawyers spoke up about this, too. They basically said that color correction is a, a common aspect of larger film production oh, process. Oh, it's common. You know, oh. It holds true for the Justice League's distinctly dark, melodramatic color palette. There's a lot of things that are commonplace or have been commonplace that don't necessarily mean that they're good. But also, that's a load of fucking bullshit. That's it's garbage. Obviously, these are during the reshoots when Zack Snyder... Um, had personal business to take care of and Joss Whedon took the helm. And I mean, to be fair, Joss Whedon was kind of just checking off the wish list that DC had, but it doesn't make it right and doesn't necessarily mean that he's not to blame as well. And I hate to give Zack Snyder 
any ounce of credit, but we will see with this, the Snyder cut if yeah, hopefully it's what corrected. Happened, happened. Speaking of Ray Fisher and Warner Brothers, they took it a step further and decided just to create a false narrative, create some false news to kind of distract from what Ray Fisher is talking about. And they told the world that Jason Momoa was going to play Frosty the fucking snowman. (laughs) My man Momoa went on his Instagram and set the record straight. Jason said, this shit has to stop and needs to be looked at. Ray Fisher and everyone else who experienced what happened under the watch of Warner Brothers Pictures needs proper investigation. I just think it's fucked up that people release a fake frosty announcement without my permission to try and distract from Ray Fisher speaking up about the shitty way we were treated on Justice League reshoots. Serious stuff went down. It needs to be investigated and people need to be held accountable. Like drop. But moving on to some video game news. Miles Morales is getting his iconic suit from Spider-Verse in the latest reveal of Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. It's interesting how they're going about this because the suit will be unlockable on launch day for everyone who pre-orders it ahead of a November 12th debut, but you can still earn the suit in-game. It'll just be a little bit more work. And what are we doing right now? We might as well put in the work. We got might nothing well. to do. Might as well. I'm, su- I'm super excited to see that suit. I, I love that movie so much. I love Miles. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I want from Spider Man right now. But speaking but, of Spider Man, <laughs> if you want to if you want to talk about the other Spider Man, you want to talk about the other Spider Man. Tom Holland said that he's in Atlanta, <laughs> and boom, Zendaya just coincidentally was also in Atlanta. But yeah, he shared that he has the script for the next Spider Man movie. Yet, I want to know what is the fucking name of the movie. Yeah, why aren't they telling us? Why aren't they telling us? They're telling us about the, you know, fucking kitchen sink cast. cast like, yeah. I mean, like, why not just give us the fucking name? I'm excited about Craven possibly being in it. That's what I want to see. We haven't seen him on the screen yet. Yeah, I know you are excited. Your loins are excited. Oh, they're real excited. <laughs> Speaking of Marvel. Speaking of my loins. What? Speaking of my loins, <laughs> Oscar Isaac reportedly oh. may star as Moon Knight in the upcoming Disney Plus series. Yes, please. I don't know if you're familiar with Moon Knight. He's not the most popular Marvel character, but he's a Jewish American former Marine and a CIA agent. And he possesses the power given to him by the moon. I love him and I love also the writer Max Bemis who's my friend's husband who uh, writes for or at least he did the 2018 run of Moon Knight and I found some interesting little tidbits about that he had some crazy comics gay people criticizing him and he actually injected one of the critics into a plot line and for him an an act of glorious pettiness that I can only I mean we can do it right now if you want to we can do it right now we've had we've had a we've had a hater or two we we have had a hater we can inject them into our fucking story let's inject them so we got we got someone just really upset that we would support don Cheadle being for you know trans youth yeah just really upset that anybody would push a kid into uh being trans because people are doing that we're all pushing kids to be trans I, you know, as a mother of a trans child, I'll tell you that was definitely not my decision. Do I support my child? Yes. Is it a path that I would recommend for anybody? Not really. 
it's rough. Yeah. The criticism's rough. The emotions are rough. The you, you have to do your due diligence to make sure that your kid's getting respect and that they're, you know, stable and being listened to. And it's a lot. If you're forcing I, I don't even know, like, where are these cases of, of fake trans kids and, and kids and being forced into it? I also want to know, where do you take offense? Where do you take any sort of what what's wrong with the statement? Protect, protect. What is the shirt? Protect trans. Yeah, kids? protect trans kids. What's the problem? You're protecting kids. What's where's the where's the bad? Where's the bad? My favorite thing was the rebuttal that I had, like, did you get turned around? This isn't the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> and, he, and he comments back, I wish it was, it'd be a lot better. <laughs> like, well, that, that's all you need. That's all we need to know. Buddy. My favorite was him saying that um, Joe Rogan identifies as liberal. So aren't we fans? I believe he doesn't identify as a libertarian, which is kind of This person opposite. doesn't know the difference, apparently. Yikes. <laughs> but yeah, just... Just the, a winner. They're super fun. They're they were great. So thanks for thanks for the laughs. Nothing new to me either. So I know I, I you, just wish it was more of a debate about actual nerd stuff I and know. not about children. <laughs> it's really upsetting to me that you know you could do another venture and that these people still find a way to come for you when it comes children. to children. Yeah. Like yeah, it's. I'm Literally upset. pick on someone your own size. <laughs> leave the children out of it. Just protect them. Like, fuck off. <laughs> people I wish would leave us alone. Michael Bay <laughs> has a new film. Speaking of people I wish would go away, what's Michael Bay up to? <laughs> He's producing a film called Songbird. And I... Um, That's not a felt, pretentious name at all. I felt very cursed by the trailer. So what did I do? You sent it to me, you bitch. I, I sure did. So mean. So mean. I wouldn't suggest our listeners to watch it or support it in any way, but the the general plot of it is very similar to what we're going through right now, which is all kinds of yikes, 50 shades of yikes. They're in the middle of a pandemic. Sounds familiar. Oh, a pandemic, you say? What's it called? <laughs> COVID-23. Oh my God. Where'd they get that name from? I have so, no idea. They no really, idea. I mean, the writers are just doing the most. They really are. They really are. High fantasy. There's mm-hmm. a lockdown. There's yeah. curfews. Oh. And they take it a step further. There's people being put into quarantine camps and being snatched up. And oh my God. They're creating fear about a pandemic. That's, that's exact- so, that's really admirable right now. Yeah. Really cute. Great look on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to add another layer of insanity, uh, they are also one of the first productions to come to a halt due to the ongoing pandemic. God, who would have thought that somebody <laughs> making a movie, an insensitive and insidious movie about a pandemic would totally disregard it? It's so weird. <laughs> so strange. Began filming in July and quickly after it received a do not work order from the Screen Actors Guild. The reason for the order was because the producers have not been transparent about their safety protocols. I mean... How awful for everybody involved. Like, you know what? Whatever. You're working on this movie. It's a job. You're getting paid. You sold your soul to Michael Bay. Whatever. But <laughs> the thing is, is that your your life is being put in danger because these fuckers aren't doing their due diligence and having safe 
a safe work environment. Like, yeah. How dare you? Like, it's just yeah. fucking stupid. I did. I did the the number one cardinal rule of the internet is to not look at the comments, and that's exactly what I did. This trailer, <laughs> and quickly noticed that the people up in support of it are mostly Trumpers who are claiming that it's all a hoax. Shocking. And so I don't really understand why he didn't go with the title "Pandemic." But since we are on the subject of a you know the apocalypse and snacks and snacks, <laughs> I always want to talk about snacks. Yeah. There's a really hilarious tweet by a woman named Olivia Gordon who was just wondering what would happen to Oreos if an asteroid hit the planet. Of course, she's referring to asteroid 2018 BP1. Um, right, that and that's to- a valid fucking question. I'm glad someone had was brave enough to ask it. Yeah, exactly. Even though it's little to no chance of hitting us, it was enough to inspire this. And the people at Nabisco answered, There's, there is a global Oreo vault in Norway. God bless. I mean, we we needed a cookie bunker. What I didn't need is another reason to fucking move to Norway. Like, there's no Michael Bay in Norway. (sighs) Mother, it rhymes. There's no (laughs) Michael Bay. There's a cookie vault. There's free healthcare. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm in. I'm in. I can't name anything else Norwegian, but I will say (laughs) that Nabisco said that as an added precaution, the Oreo packs are wrapped in mylar, which can withstand temperatures from negative 80 degrees to 300 degrees Fahrenheit and is impervious to chemical reactions, moisture and air, keeping the cookies fresh and protective for years to come. Oreos are vegan. Mm-hmm. Everybody can eat a fucking Oreo. Yeah. Do it. Only one way to eat them, though. Uh, Quickly? No. Do you not twist them off? I don't. You don't? I dunk them. Heathen. You're a heathen. I dunk them. And I'm like, <laughs> um. <laughs> I uh, see how many I can shove in my face, especially bunny it. especially if it's the coconut caramel ones. Oh, fuck off. I'll eat a whole package. Yum. Jordan Peele is producing a remake of Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs. And I am Did here. Did you for watch it. that? The original? Fuck yeah. I haven't. I was as a kid. I was here for anything Wes Craven. So you did like you did like Scream. You're not like Francine. No, I like Scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I saw it in the theater and I thought it was great. I we should gang up on her. I understand that, especially coming from a maybe more classic horror background, especially if you're around my age and she is around my age, mm-hmm. going into, you could classify that as kind of, I guess, lesser than, but I did see in the theater and I, I was excited. At the time, there wasn't a lot of popular horror coming out. It really did set a revival and I think that's oh, a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Like, I don't, I don't begrudge it. And I it. like it when fanboys make movies. Wes yeah. Craven's definitely a horror fanboy. So I watched The Mandalorian. Did you watch The Mandalorian? I sure did. Tell me your highlights. Oh my God. Well, everyone over the age of 40 and myself screamed by the end. I screamed, oh my God, every fucking geek is marking out right now. Like, oh Can man. It, okay. I mean, spoilers, obviously, guys. So please tune out if you haven't seen it. We get Boba Fett. Fucking Boba Fett. Which I feel like it was inevitable. I mean, we're, we're it's a show called The Mandalorian, even though I guess Boba Fett isn't really considered a true Mandalorian or his father. But we wouldn't care about Mandalorians if it wasn't for that character. Right. But can we also say that we, I mean, we we got a, a crumb in the beginning of the episode when we saw his fucking get up on Timothy, how do you say his name? Timothy Oliphant? Chalamet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> So when we saw him in the getup, we're like, oh, damn, but that doesn't look like the build. Can we just talk about how hot Timothy Old Navy looked? 
can I just say that <laughs> the first thing that happened when he came on screen was my six-year-old son yelling, oh my God, he's so freaking gorgeous. <laughs> I hope he doesn't put the mask back on. <laughs> he plays a cowboy well. He, he basically played himself. I hate myself for, for, for the longest time I would confuse him with Josh Jumal. Oh, dude, I thought it was Josh Jumal. There's so many white men that are, have just merged into one. Yeah, he really does. They do look alike. Like, he's such a generic white guy that I'm surprised Ryan Murphy hasn't cast him. <laughs> well, can we also talk about how, like, my brain malfunctioned for a second, too? Because, obviously, the actor played Django Fett, and Django Fett's dead. We saw him get decapitated by uh, Mace Window. To be fair, to be fair, we also saw Boba Fett die quote unquote that's the thing is that i feel like to the a star wars layman you would assume that and you would be very confused by the appearance of boba fett when i when i was like oh it's boba fett max my six-year-old was like yeah he got spit out i was like the fuck told you that <laughs> god it's a virus your nerd your nerddom is a virus it's infected your children uh he should be thanking me because this is stuff that he's it's gonna get him really far the ladies are going to love it. <laughs> he can start a podcast no one listens to, too. He wants to start a podcast. He wants to start one with, with your kids and call it Kids of the Obvious. Kids of the Obvious? <laughs> are, we, are we a legacy yet? I don't think we're legacy status. When I was watching the credits, I noticed John Leguizamo's name on there. And I watched this. So I live in Hawaii, so I get to watch it like at nine o'clock my time or something the day before. So I watched it as soon as wow. it happened. It might've been 10. I, I don't know. I'm bad with time. So I watched it as soon as it happened. I saw John Leguizamo's name on there. I was like, what? Who? What did he play? So I tried to Google it. Wait, was he a sand person? No, I tried to Google oh. it and it was nowhere in the internet yet because no one had watched it yet. So I had to oh. wait till the next day to find out he played the one-eyed gangster at the fighting thing that Mandalorian left hanging from the light. Oh, well, yeah. Actually, the more that I think about it, the, the, the less I remember about the opening of that episode. It seems so inconsequential. I mean, the end really kicked you in the nuts. Like, how could I? Yeah. Anyway, that, I thought that was cool. It canceled out everything that happened before. I appreciate somebody super famous getting done up where, you, in, where they're unrecognizable. I, I, I appreciate yeah. that. That's super fun. Also, I think we saw so many... So many, so much foreshadowing for Boba Fett too, like the fact that it was a Sarlax cave that the the beast was hiding in. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I miss that. Yeah, that's great because that was actually my first assumption when I saw like the Tremors. I'm like, well, obviously we're not watching the movie Tremors, so it's not that. This isn't Dune. It's not, it's not Kevin Bacon. Okay. I thought it might have been a Sarlacc, but it's too small. That's smart. The a cool little tidbit since we're talking about all these other little Easter eggs. Um, they hired an actual deaf actor to play one of the Tuscan Raiders and help create the Tuscan sign language. I love this. And they did this because a hearing person who knew ASL suggested it. And it really speaks to the fact that it's like our it's our responsibility to look around the room and see like who's missing and, you know, fill that representation. Because I feel like I, I personally would never have thought of that. I think it's really smart and I think it's really I think it speaks a lot to the uh, the actor or the person working on set who does know ASL that went it didn't immediately go, oh, I'll do this. Like, and, and, I'll do this for you. Like, no, let's get a person in that this is what they speak 24 seven. 
And it's a good argument for everyone that poo-poos reboots or an expansion of a universe that there's always more we can add to it as well. Like, I mean, like they did with the the new trilogy. How many people of color did they add? How much, you know, how exactly. much, how much spice did they add? Uh, how much flavor? <laughs> so yeah. So, it's so much tastier. Yeah, totally. I, I think people really just couldn't get past that to enjoy it because for some people it's amazing for other people they they really it really points out how fucking bigoted and awful they are well yeah they're like where where's me where's my cranky farm boy where's me (laughs) there's not enough neck beards in this i'm upset (laughs) so what what was your takeaway from mandalorian love like i always loved mandalorian i loved that i got to see more amy sedaris (gasps) Her line was very, I could, I could hear you saying it in my head. Well, something along the lines is that she's going to steal baby Yoda, right? Yes. I just love Amy Sedaris so fucking much. I love her in that hair. Strangers with Candy is one of my all time favorite shows. She was also in Jennifer's Body. Yeah. Very underutilized in that movie, by the way. Oh, she's in, um, she plays a hilarious character in Kimmy Schmidt as well. I'm just obsessed with her. I love her so much. I love her brother. I was just that morning. I was, oh God, David. I was reading one of David's books. I just love, love, love. He's one of the people that they, they pulled in to do master classes too. I know. He's the, one of the reasons I was like, I, I could listen to this man talk for ever so when i say i read one of his books that morning i mean i listened to one of his books that I wish morning. I was just a part of that family could you imagine how lit their thanksgivings are he talks about it that's all his books are about is his damn family <laughs> it's so fun so yeah amy always a fucking joy to see i love her so much and i love her in this role i love that she's a part of the star wars universe like I'm i will, I will so say one of the cameos that i was most excited for when i first started watching mandalorian was brian Posehn, and i'm so sad that he died except if him as a recurring character i kind of love that he got his he got in there and we're like yay brian and then like oh brian <laughs> i feel like that's exactly his sense of humor though but he's forever a part of it now i mean like even though he's yeah, dead and he's canon bitch i love it um I also don't like the fact that if we rewind because i just rewatched the first season mm. Um, Bill Burr's character. They didn't, he didn't actually die. He just got left on oh, that, he's coming like, back. prison transport. He's coming uh, back. No. Yeah, he's coming back. Sorry, I didn't, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but he is absolutely coming back. Oh, that piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry. Well, I couldn't have been Mark Maron. No more, you don't want Bostonians in space? Come on. I don't want him anywhere. I know. I, I want him wiped clean. This is actually pretty great. And I did not realize that there was this much of it going on until I compiled a list. And my list isn't even complete. Mm-hmm. But there have been so many read-throughs and cast reunions via Zoom of different classics that people love. And they're all done to raise money for Democrats, Joe Biden and the down ticket. Um, the li- it's been fucking fantastic. The liberal media. Yes. So, yeah, the Republicans are scared about it because... They're crying that it's like liberal, out of touch Hollywood elite. But I mean, really, they forfeited their right to that argument when they elected a fucking reality TV host as the head of their party. Like, fuck <laughs> off. But anyway, you got to feel bad for the people that have to put together Republican events because they're looking for like, you know, famous speakers and they're really having to scrape the bottom of the barrel. They're like, hey, you know what we can get? The Duck Dynasty guys? Ted Nugent every time, man. Just get Ted. Get Ted on the horn. <laughs> Ted and Kid Rock. Kirstie Alley and little Scott Bayo on there. But this list is pretty great. 
of things that, I mean, like Wet Hot American Summer, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Princess Bride, Parks and Rec, Star Trek, Spinal Tap, well, Seinfeld. Parks and Rec is uh, missing one key. Oh, so, I mean, and so are the Avengers who are on this list too, <laughs> minus the same dude, which we're not even going to fucking talk about this time. But uh, Seinfeld. What about, what about Jurassic Park? <laughs> Jesus. Seinfeld, Veep, Hamilton, Avengers, Happy Days, Days and Confused, The West Wing, Super Bad. Like they all did this amazing. The way that you read that made, made it sound like a mashup between Happy Days and Days and Confused. And I would love to see that. Oh. Happy Days and Confused. <laughs> oh, man. I think we're on to oh, something. Wait, the Fonz is totally an older guy hanging around high schoolers. Could easily play Matthew McConaughey. Alt-right, alt-right, alt-right. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about politics, so we have to bring up something that, even though it's... Oh, God. It was the, the scariest surprise for the Halloween season. Amy Coney Barrett, who they are being fucking dicks about and calling ACB. No, fuck you. There's only AOC and mm-hmm. RBG. Like, you don't know. She doesn't deserve it. She can go fuck off with her fucking initials. <laughs> no. I mean, do we need another blazing example of how hypocritical Republicans are? This one's pretty, this one's pretty blatant. I mean, we have video after video after video after video of Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell saying, you know, you can't put someone in this close to an election. And that was fucking months off. This is days. People have already started voting. Literal days. Yeah. And and shows you how quickly they can act when they feel like it. Yeah. It shows you what shows you, too, is that it is Mitch McConnell holding things up because only with his blessing, only under his eye. Can we get anything done? We're all off McConnell's. Lindsey Graham saying that um, the only women that are pro-life can have rights under this administration. Yes, I. that's not what I was going to bring up. What I was going to bring up was, is it okay to talk about how he's... Um, Ladybug? No, how Mitch McConnell is a zombie and he is fucking deteriorating before our very eyes. Oh, I thought we were going to go into Lindsey Graham's. Oh, there's too much with Lindsey Graham. (laughs) This is easy. I mean, there's too much with, you know what? I don't, hey, you know what? I will never be the person to fucking make fun of anybody for being gay. But if you're about to fucking take away gay people's rights, they're going to take away gay people's rights and then lie about being gay. No, you're fucking fair game. Yeah, yeah. You and your fucking ladybugs. You're done. <laughs> Gross. And then, I mean, like, I mean, his video is the most damning. I mean, he goes on, he goes on to say, like, it's 2016. And if in 2020, when Trump is president, if somebody dies in the Supreme Court, of course, we're going to wait for the next. Pre- he said that. Hold me accountable. Of course, we'll wait. Yeah. He said that. Yeah. It's bla- to, I mean, and nobody gives a shit. He's going to get reelected. These people are not held accountable. There needs to be term limits on these old fucking shitheads. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say about that. I couldn't agree more. And how much AOC is it talking about how we need to expand the Supreme Court? It's just so... Do it. You know what? If I see Democrats being bussies about anything... From now on, my head will literally explode. You will watch it in real time because <laughs> there's no why. Why would we ever? Why would we think we have to come to the table with anything? These bastards are not playing fair. So if then we think we can have to come to the table and play fair afterwards, no, it's fucking no. This shit is no. 
There was a there's a South American country that just voted in a, a new constitution and it's just beautiful. It's revolutionary. And they did it through rioting like riots work. My segue from the new Supreme Court justices, Poland, and how millions of women across the country are striking after the newly elected right wing government banned abortion. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It was Chile. Chile voted in a new constitution. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Maybe maybe these old slave owners, you know, hundreds of years ago didn't have the best fucking idea. Absolutely not. Oh, I, so I'm in a hoe group. I'm sorry, you're in a what? I'm in a hoe group, but we just share, you know, hoeing memes and no oh. life. Okay. And <laughs> there was a meme recently that was like, you know, really exercise your constitutional rights. And after you hook up with the servicemen kick him out because he cannot stay the night. <laughs> you know, if if you love the amendments, you got to love them all. So You got to love them all. And they're cherry picking. It'd be, ni- it'd be nice if uh, if Amy Coney Barrett knew all of them. That'd be nice. Oh, God. I, I have no notes. We are recording this on Wednesday, which is the afternoon in Hawaii, evening in California. Mm-hmm. We don't have a clear winner for the election. Oh, kind of do. But we have a lot of election news that I think is relevant to uh, our, our listeners. listeners. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want to you want to get into it? Well, the fact that Biden broke Obama's record and received the most votes of any candidate in history. 70 that million. Huge. More? Yeah. Huge. Huge. Wild. I OK, so I grew up in Missouri, so I'm pretty stoked that Cori Bush um, was elected. Uh, she's a single mom. She's a nurse. She's, she's a pastor. She was actually a medic in the front lines during the Ferguson protests. Mm. Oh, and formerly homeless. Like you can't not love her and a good underdog story. Not as important because this is like the millionth time that he's been elected, but uh, Emmanuel Cleaver and uh, Kansas City was reelected. And an interesting tidbit about him is that he is the cousin of a very prominent exiled Black Panther. Mm. And um, he actually tried to get Clinton to pardon him. Of course, it didn't work. But he's he's a really amazing person because he was also the chair of the Black Caucus and the first Black mayor of Kansas City. So I, we love we love to see him win. Loves it. So many wins for the LGBTQ community. Yeah, lots. Michelle Rayner Goldsby. She's the first Black queer woman in state legislature of Florida. Yes. And Jabari Brisport, the first LGBTQ person of color in the New York Senate. I, I can't believe he's the first. Wow. That's intense, right? And then Taylor Small, the first transgender state legislator from Vermont. Shevran Jones, first openly LGBTQ state senator. Um, Sarah McBride, this one really got me in the feels, uh, first transgender state senator in history. Yeah, that's huge. That's so big. Kim Jackson, first openly LGBTQ person elected to Georgia State Senate. Mari Turner, Black queer progressive, won her election for state house in Oklahoma's 88th district. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. What the fuck? Wow. Oklahoma, where the blue waves sweeping through the <laughs> the fuck. I mean, the fact that Georgia is still open for Biden to flip is still blowing my mind. Insanity. And Arizona, I mean, to be fair, Arizona loved John McCain and Trump really hates John McCain. And the McCains They're... have come out strong for Biden. Yeah. Kind of insane. And of course, the entire progressive squad won their elections easily. And that's AOC and 
so forth. Actually, I think Corey Bush is going to be joining them, which is we exciting. also have uh, Richie Torres and Mondaire Jones, the first openly gay black men to join the Congress. Oh, that's huge, too. Yeah. Uh, a Mississippi voted to replace the flag that featured the Confederate flag. That's awesome. Mississippi, Finally. Mississippi, Mississippi, getting which it right. actually ranks lowest in education. Unfucking real Florida voters approve measure to increase minimum wage to $15. I love that. Austin and Orlando, Florida elected DAs who ran on ending mass incarceration, which kind of leads into the fact that we finally got Lacey out as DA in Los Angeles due to the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening yeah. every Wednesday. It also bleeds into Prop 17 being passed in California, where all formerly incarcerated citizens have their voting rights restored. This makes me so hopeful. I mean, however you're feeling currently during this election, there there is progress being made and there are good things to focus on. Yeah. Measure J passed in L.A. that takes money, 10 percent of what usually goes into incarceration and invests it into communities of color and those most affected by incarceration. Amazing. This one's huge. Nevada became the first state to protect same-sex marriage in their constitution. Now, do you say Nevada or Nevada? Because I had this I had this conversation with Topher last night. I say Nevada. Okay. Maybe that's a Midwestern thing. Maybe. Nevada does sound a little bougier, though. Uh, well, you know. But you I, know me. I mean, Nevada is also like the lead in marriage, so they should protect all kinds of marriage if they're going to keep their industry booming. That's true. Former Ohio sheriff employee who was fired by her former boss for being gay was now just elected sheriff there. Hmm. That should be the plot of a movie. Hmm. Like, what a comeback. Getting fired than being elected sheriff. Yeah, right? It sounds like a plot to a movie. And according to Fox, which of course... <laughs> swings wildly conservative exit polls majority of voters in florida said yes for wanting health care for all they had to have cringed when they were reporting that mm-hmm. oregon legalized psilocybin and if i'm pronouncing that wrong it's fucking magic mushrooms okay <laughs> and they decriminalized all drugs heroin meth they decriminalized them all psilocybin's my favorite x-men <laughs> <laughs> but that's huge because they also did that in Portugal and they saw a huge drop off um, in addiction and people actually got the help that they needed. And it's 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 a, and not going to jail for it. Yeah. Like, come on. You don't put people who are, you know, addicted to something in jail that doesn't help. No, it doesn't. Arizona, New Jersey, South Dakota, all approved recreational marinara use oh god they're you know what new jersey has got real good sauce they got really good sauce <laughs> i heard they also approve recreational marijuana use ah, not as exciting not as exciting. well you can have the marijuana then you go have some sauce tastier yeah <laughs> oh my they really feed into each other um so We'll do a little bit of a recap of, on a, on a, the larger scale of things in the presidential election, which has been bonkers. It's been bonkers. There have been lawsuits and people coming out and saying that they're a winner people. Hmm, who am I talking about? Saying that they're a winner when they're not. And like, it's been, it's been a ride, man. I remember I was watching it from the beginning, all the coverage from the moment. And I watched Florida flip so many times. I was yelling at the fucking TV like it was a sports game. Like, oh, God. <laughs> this, is, this is our sports game, though. Yeah, but so much more on the line than just oh, winning. Sure. Like, yeah. Well, they're right. both could include riots, so. Oh, both definitely do. Yes. <laughs> so we cannot wrap up our news without mentioning the passing of one Sean Connery. That it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. It really is, of course, of James Bond fame and 
your favorite. Zardoz. Mm-hmm. But of course, his legacy isn't without problems. There's a, there's several interviews too where, yeah. where he put this on display. Um, and specifically the 1965 interview with Playboy magazine, he was asked about the scene in which Bond hits a woman. And he said that he doesn't think there's anything particularly wrong with hitting a woman. Although I don't recommend doing it the same way you hit a man. An open-handed slap is justified if all other alternatives fail. And there's been plenty of warning. And of course, he did this in a Barbara Walters interview. And this is, of course, on the heels of his first wife alleging that Connery abused her in her 2006 autobiography. I'm not touching it. I'm not justifying it. I do know that mm-hmm. men born in that era, I mean, my father would be canceled. Let's cancel him. They all said it. They all did it. They did. Mm-hmm. And uh, does do I think it's right? No. Do I think he should be held accountable? Fuck yeah. It, it is very interesting that for years and years and years when someone died, no one would speak about their downfalls, but it's becoming more accepted as a culture to talk about that stuff. I don't think it's bad to speak ill of the dead. So what? They're dead. No. Who cares? Like, no, why not talk about their faults? Should we have brought it up while he was alive? Yes. 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 That's the funny thing, too, is that especially with council culture, we don't really start talking about how bad someone is until they've been canceled. And then all the dirt comes out. And what's the ultimate canceling in life is dying. Yes, you know, that's the final cancellation. <laughs> that's God canceling you. <laughs> there really is no segue into this. Let's talk about new comics. <laughs> Let's lighten the mood. Let's talk about comics. Let's talk about comics. We got Black Widow number three, Captain Marvel number 23, Immortal She-Hulk number one. And this is the Davis Hunt second reprint. Betty Page number three, Sacred Six number four, The Boys, Dear Becky number six, Vampirella Red Sonia volume one. These dark synchronicities. Sandman book number one, Deluxe Edition. Kaufman Bound number eight. Inkblot number three, Lost Soldiers number three. And this is a book that's written by Alice Cott, who's amazing. And of course, no list is complete without Buffy the Vampire Slayer number 19. The presenting sponsor of Masters of the Obvious is us. Producing a podcast is expensive, but you can keep this vexing show in business. Mastersoftheobvious.com has all your Motopod merch needs. Need a decorative knickknack for your keys? Like saving money with free shipping? Want to show off some performative wokeness by sporting a gender swap He-Man shirt? <laughs> well, we have the perfect place for you. Mastersoftheobvious.com. Buy merch, be a hero to these needy nerds. Cynthia. Yeah. I am super duper pleased to introduce our guest on the show today. Her name is Lenora Claire. She's a casting director, victim rights advocate, art curator, pinup model, and all-around legend in Hollywood. Thanks for being on the show, Lenora. Um, that was incredible. You are my new hype man. That's so good. <laughs> I would love just please like announce me for every room. Oh, uh, absolutely. I'll, and, and I'll and I'll follow up with oh yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we haven't heard a little John impression in a while. And who better than a weird white girl? All right, Lenora, I want to ask you, what have you been up to lately? Wow. Um, like a, a lot of things. Uh, unfortunately, my day job was with Quibi. So wah, wah, that's oh, that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, that's it's OK. It was it was fun while it lasted. Um, but, you know, just it, it, unfortunately, uh, the thing with quarantine is that it's really made a lot of this sort of um, victimization and crimes, the umbrella of crimes that I, I work with just kind of skyrocket and go through the roof. So every day I've just been sort of 
Yeah, it's been it's it's you know it's a sort of perfect storm because you've got the offenders who are out of work, angry and bored, and then you've got the victims who are stuck at home, right? So mm-hmm. I, a, a lot of that, a whole lot of that. Gosh, have you been binging anything? What have you been passing the time and and like yeah. a kind of a self care escapism way? Yeah, um, <laughs> you know it's it's actually pretty revealing. I haven't done that much self care. I've actually because I'm too old to join the FBI Behavioral Science Division, but I made friends with a bunch of former FBI profilers. So I've been reading FBI textbooks. That's not fun, <laughs> but that's what I've been binging. This <laughs> is where I'm at. But um, what about you guys? I'm sure that's a way more fun answer than I mine. Love, I love, but I love how productive you are. Yeah, we're just binging a lot of TV and uh, home, like doing, you know online school with our kids yeah oh I you know that's not true I have been to something which is so okay have you guys watched pen 15 yes yes okay check it out it's at my actual junior high oh my god oh wow. <laughs> so, right so and I didn't know that like I just was you know all my friends have been talking about it and you know when you grow up in LA that does happen sometimes that the mm. school was it was Walter Reed junior high it's also in license to drive and like a whole bunch of stuff so it's not that unusual but with pen 15 I didn't have that warning of I keep saying it's nostalgia <laughs> punching you in the face but like for me it's that extra punch because it's the place where I actually was the awkward kid you know so wow. it's that's been, that's been a really wild experience. Like a running punch. <laughs> and it looks the same. That's the biggest thing. Like there's like no difference. So it's, yeah, it's like, whew, it's, and that's, that, that has been wild. Uh-huh. That sounds like a good case for school funding too, if it hasn't been updated. <laughs> it really hasn't. <laughs> well, I want to maybe, maybe brag a little, cause you are my friend and I've known you for a few years now. And because you are so enigmatic I knew of you for much longer. I believe my first introduction to you was hearing about the prolific parties that you would throw that would involve like cult favorite celebrities, monkeys and unicorns. And one of the last times I saw you was actually at your wedding, which had magicians, drag performers and mermaids. Can you tell us about your history of throwing crazy parties and how you came to know so many icons like Elvira and Angeline? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in LA and one of my first jobs, I sort of, I, in my very early twenties, um, I kind of scammed my way. There was a magazine called frontiers, which was the one queer magazine in LA. I knew that I wanted to write for this magazine frontiers. And at first they're like, why does this like young straight girl want to work at a magazine? That's like all gay men. And I was just like, no, 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 no. This is, I I love this magazine. It's really fabulous. I want to work here. And so I think they took it upon themselves to kind of haze me. Um, And so uh, when they were sort of interviewing me for the job, they're like, because what someone liked one of my writing samples. So that's how I got in there to begin with. Cause I had like a blog, you know, like everybody in like early two thousands. Mm-hmm. So I get there and they told me, they're like, well, we, if you want to write for gay men, we want to know that you're like comfortable with the content and we're going to give you a stack of porn DVDs and we want you to go watch them and review them as if you were a gay man. Now I didn't realize that the magazine didn't actually do porn reviews at all. Like that wasn't <laughs> anything. So I, you know, they, they had a fun time giving me this stack of like the most like explicit, aggressive, you know, again, I'm like 21, right? Like, so imagine that. <laughs> so they give me the stack of DVDs and I very studiously like watch all of them. And it's funny, the, the new me never gets to tell these stories, but like, I have to be honest, this this is who I am too. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like writing my notes on, I'm gonna make the best review ever. It's gonna be so good. And so I'm like writing this review and like, and then I actually turned it in the next day and they're like, 
what the hell are you? We thought we were going to scare you away. Like we thought you would never like go, what is, what is this? And so that's how I got the job. (laughs) And then, and so then of course the first thing they do again, they weren't done hazing me as they're like, we're going to send you on an interview with Janice Dickinson. And that was my first interview. So, um, I was like, so anyway, the, I, I can't believe I told that story. That's so funny. This, this is so far from like who, who I am today, but you know, whatever it's, it's again, still part of me. Um, so that's how I got the job at Frontiers. And then my sort of, I was the like entertainment editor assistant person, right? So I would do all those sort of like cult celeb interviews. And like, I interviewed Elvira, that's how I became friends with her. And Julie Newmar, that's how I became friends with her. And like, I literally used the job to meet everybody that I wanted to. And then like a natural friendship just sort of developed that way. So um, that was like a really great job in my early 20s, back when print media was a thing. So yeah, and then the sort of evolution of the like big Fellini-esque parties, like that also is just something I, I just love getting people together. Like I'm that person who was always like, you be friends with you and you date you. And like, I'm like a Yenta, this is a whole thing. So I just started realizing that um, like, so the one of the first really big parties that I threw was my birthday at Houdini Mansion. And the story behind that was earlier in the year, I had done a show with World of Wonder who do drag race, but I, I helped start their art gallery because I had bought this nude oil portrait of B. Arthur that I was like super obsessed with. And I put it over my bed and the guy I was dating at the time was like, um, I can't like do this here with you and her. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, if you can't get down with me, you can't get down with me. Like go away. And so I did a great just, slogan. I want a shirt that says that. <laughs> Right. Right. And so I like, it like really inspired me. And I was just thinking, cause I, I wanted to do more art curation and I was just like, you know what? I should do a show golden girls gone wild. And I ended up getting 40 different artists to do erotic depictions of the golden girls. And some of them were really pretty crazy, like the golden shower girls and other ones were like really beautiful, like, like actually really incredible art. So, um, well, the wonder was kind enough to let me use their lower level and turn it into a gallery space. And the show, I was like, I was one of the first stories TMZ did. Like it was like, it like kind of blew up really quick. Right. And so it was this huge, like 2000 people came to just like my like weird fun idea. So I, I got a lot of press that year. And so this, uh, this television station canal plus, which is like HBO of France, they were doing, um, a sort of guide to Los Angeles. And then, uh, Peter Stewart, the director, who's still my friend, who also did an amazing show called Eurotrash, Jean-Paul Gaultier. Like he saw me and he thought I was like funny and weird and was like, you could be my underground guide to LA. And so that was the year because Rick Rubin owned the Houdini mansion. And my whole life growing up in LA, you'd like see this thing and you're like, what the hell's behind? I want to get into it. And so that year they started renting it out to people, but it was like $10,000. So like, mm-hmm. where was I in my mid twenties? And I, like, this was, but I, I was just so obsessed with the idea of like getting in there and doing something. So what ended up happening was this, this TV company wanted to use me as a guide. And I sort of did the whole like, well, you know, if you want to get the clowns and the drag queens and the art freaks, that's a lot of days of production. But if I just throw a party and they're all in one place, I save you all this money. So they ended up getting the money to get the Houdini mansion, Genius. which is actually how, if you look behind me, it's okay. So you might, uh, you know, the artist Olivia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's my Olivia pan. If you can see it the Olivia painting she did of me and um, like Olivia, like I literally just wrote her on MySpace and I was like, I'm a really big fan. Come to my party, Houdini mansion. And like everyone wanted to see it. So she's like, sure. So she gets there and I have like Zuni, the monkey on my shoulder and a 50 piece marching band behind me. And she's like, okay, like, I'm just going to paint you. Like you're weird. I like you. So (laughs) it's like, it's just like this whole thing where like, I was just in my twenties and I had just endless amounts of 
chutzpah? Like, why not? Like, no one's telling me no. Like, and I just, it just kind of turned. And so, you know, that I just would throw these huge parties and get other people to pay for it. And it was a really good time. That's such goals. And wait, <laughs> can we sidebar? Cause I was trying to explain to Cynthia that your best friend is a monkey. Yeah. Well, and my dog, but okay. So Zuni, of course, so Zuni, we go back 17 years. Um, a friend was having a bachelor party and I was the only woman invited. And so the guy said to me, like, we feel weird having a stripper. It feels, and I'm like, I don't care. Like I live to her. And they're like, no, we're not this kind of guys anyway. Like we want to do something else. And they're like, let's run a monkey. And I was like, amazing. Cause I've always loved monkeys. So I get, there and Zuni, who is a, a young lady then, she's an old lady now, but for monkey years. Um, so she's a little capuchin monkey, right? She's just this incredibly expressive, funny, and we just vibe right away. It was like <laughs> we're friends. And then, so her owner, Anthony, it's actually six capuchin monkeys. I wanted to do a web series on them called America's Next Top Monkey because they all live, they like yes. sleep in bunk beds, they all have very different personalities. You know, it's amazing. And Zuni loves wigs. Like she's got like all kinds, like she's got look. Like every time you see her, like she's got a different look on. So I just became like, like, I don't have to explain it. Just like you would with a person. You're just yeah. like, we're friends forever. And so I just, I was like, we're friends forever. And so like back in my old apartment, uh, she'd come over, we'd like watch a movie. And I call, used to call it uh, Mo Monkey Mo Problems because she loves to eat Cheetos. And I'd have this little like orange handprint of Cheeto dust on my black comforters. Um, but I just, I don't have to explain. Like, I just, I love this little monkey and you probably see, I do this thing where I, I make her talk, which is where oh, I, sort yeah. Of, yeah. Like I, I do this sort of like singing thing and she, she repeats it. Oh, it's yes. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she's a good friend of her. She was at my wedding. She was like the maid of honor. Um, <laughs> I love just, this you know, so much. And she's you, great. You know, Kirsten's right to have you tell the story. Cause I don't think she would have done that justice. <laughs> Well, you, I mean, you touched on it a little bit earlier because you talked about how the lockdown has had a pretty negative effect on on people when it comes to their mental health. And sure. uh, but I do want to talk about what you do with your your work and and stalking and domestic violence. You know, you've been on several shows about it. I don't know if you have anything new you want to say about it, but I think that maybe in the context of what's going on right now, like, yeah, I mean, I'm working on a bill that's pretty major yeah. and I just help um, start. Well, I, I'm, I'm on the board of a new nonprofit called uh, Victim Advocacy Project or, or VAP. We keep like, like I always hear like WAP, like I always keep thinking about <laughs> that. But um, the Victim Advocacy Project is actually really amazing. It's my friend, uh, Melissa Senti, who found it. And a lot of people don't realize that there's victim compensation boards in almost every single state. So because hmm. uh, cops certainly don't tell you this, no one really tells you this. So say you're a victim of a violent crime and it's been documented, you know, we can get you up to like $5,000 of therapy paid for. Oh, wow. um, if you were sexually assaulted in your home, we can get you relocation money, cameras. People do not realize these things exist. So that's what we do with that particular nonprofit. And I'm very proud and excited to be working with them. Um, I'm working on a bill right now. Uh, we think we're going to call it SAVE, which is for Stalking Abuse Victims Empowerment. And sort of the main feature of SAVE is restraining order registry, because if you sort of look at it as a preventative measure, right? Like we see that there's a sex offender registry, which is a little bit problematic because you can end up on the registry for things like sex in public or public urination. But for the most part, it does what it's intended to do and it works and it's really terrific, right? So we have precedent for existing. So why shouldn't there be something like that or say you're going to go on a Tinder date and you can look somebody up and see if they have restraining orders, right? So that might, I'm, I'm friends with Tara from Dirty John, if you're familiar with that story. And if her mother had been able to, you know, use something like that, then maybe that relationship would have never happened and all of that would have never right. gone on. So there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot more to the bill, but that's something I'm working on right now, which I'm really excited about. 
Um, but yeah, my, my journey is a really strange one. You know, as we sort of touched on, I was this very public person. And through that, when I opened up my art gallery, um, LA Weekly made me one of their people of the year, which is really wonderful because I'm from LA, but what ended up happening, and I always have to preface it before I start to explain this, that my father was a psychiatrist and I'm incredibly, um, you know, I have so much empathy for anybody who's struggling with mental illness. And I'm in no way saying or trying to stigmatize people that that's their struggle, nor am I saying that people who are schizophrenic are dangerous. It just so happens that my stalker is schizophrenic and he's dangerous because he's also an incel and other things. So it's a combination of stuff. So what ended up happening was my LA Weekly People of the Year came out. It's actually a great portrait with Zuni the monkey. And this man, Justin Masler, who had his name legally changed to Cloud Star Chaser, had been stalking Ivanka Trump out in New York. It was 2011 Ivanka Trump. And so he jumped bail, came to LA, saw the magazine, became fixated on me, came to my gallery. He was in a spacesuit. So I thought it was, you know, I have a very high tolerance for art shenanigans. I thought it was kind of funny. I interacted with him. He looks me in the eye. He tells me he's going to stalk me. Um, and so I pushed him out of the gallery. I don't think much of it. And then a couple of days later, I started seeing in the news that the Trumps had hired bounty hunters and extradited him to New York to stand trial. Once he gets to Rikers Island, he starts sending me these like long, insane ramblings. And at first I was just like, okay, this is creepy, but whatever. And they very rapidly escalated into very graphic rape and death threats. And when I went to the police... They couldn't have been more dismissive. They told me to dye my hair, get off the internet. And they just, you know, like, these are really brutal rape and death threats. Like, really, that's what we, how we handle it. And so eventually, my, my mentor in casting um, got a bunch of death threats. And everybody that I work with, they Googled my stalker. And they saw that he had tried to kill himself in one of Ivanka Trump's stores. So if you can imagine um, how much anxiety when someone has a history of workplace violence, right? Everybody in my office was freaked out. So again, I went to LAPD and I'm like, look, now when my boss is getting death threats, you guys have to help me. And they, once again, were super dismissive. And so I was like, okay, fuck you guys. I work in TV. Like I, I have access and a platform. And so my friend, Billy Jensen, who this is, this is so funny for any of your listeners who follow true crime, my old friend, Billy Jensen, like I knew him back when he had like an emo haircut and he used to write for spin. Like now there's <laughs> this huge true crime, like they call him the, the Facebook detective or citizen detective. He was one of the producers and, and heavily featured in um, HBO's All Be Gone in the Dark. He's amazing. I think he solved like 10 cold case murders by now, but right. he's just an old friend of mine. And all when this started going on years ago, he was producing a show called Crime Watch Daily. So he's like, yeah, come on the show, tell your story. And I did. And that was a really big turning point for me, not just because I had gone public with my story, but because they teamed me up with this incredible woman, Rhonda Saunders, who was the ADA at the time when Rebecca Schaefer the actress was murdered in 89. And it largely the, the first laws, not only in California, but the entire country are largely because of her. She always loves it on podcasts. I'm always like, she's a badass. But she is. She's incredible. Um, and so it's really funny. Like her, her son has heard me talking about her on podcasts. So it, he may, he may be listening. I don't know. Um, but Rhonda is a badass and she's, you know, started mentoring me and we have a really great friendship. We, when it's not COVID times, we go to like Cheesecake Factory and, and hang out. But um, that's when I started like working on legislative proposals. And that led me through my friend, um, which uh, my friend, Polly Perrette, who was on a, a show called NCIS for years, if, if you know her. Mm -hmm. um, she's who took me over to Congressman Schiff. And I started working with him on proposals. And he's taking my proposals to the Department of Justice. Well, I've been published in the Harvard Journal of Legislation. Like there's a lot going on with that. And so then I have to sort of make my whole story make sense. So 
then my everything was escalating. I was getting rape and death threats all the time. My stalker kept saying that he was going to gas me through my door with Zyklon B, which is what killed my relatives in the Holocaust. Just like really brutal stuff. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So I like have insomnia for life. So we started filming my 48 hours episode. And at that point, they interviewed my stalker behind my back, which really uh, was a crazy experience because that really stirred it up. But it was wonderful because I got what really no victim has, which is their stalker fully admitting on a show, which later aired for like 18 million people, that he was in fact stalking me. And so once that footage, they took a look at it, they turned it over to my now very close friend, top forensic psychologist, Chris Mahandi, who was like forensic psych on the OJ trial. I, I love him. He's amazing. Yeah. He took a look at it and was like, no, she's right. He's really scary. This is the problem. So um, he got picked up and put into a psych ward at that point at Utah. And I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to get some relief now. And then that week was when Trump... I, I can't even say one, stole the election and one, whatever. And so, you know, America, America sad. I'm walking my dog, just picking up her dog shit. And then I get a call from LAPD Secret Service, right? And wow. they're right, they informing me that my stalker had broken out of the psych facility because he's like the Joker from Batman. And that normally, you know, people wouldn't, I wouldn't know because the states don't work together. It's only because I now, I always say that I'm the one person to benefit from the Trump presidency and that I won the stocking lottery because I share a stalker with his daughter. And so I didn't know if he was coming for me or whatever. So they ended up catching him a block away from Trump Tower. And now I'm thinking like, oh, okay, like, great. He's going to get some real time. But no, New York has like the worst stalking laws. Like, for example, in 2014, uh, New York passed a law that um, if you send a death threat over electronic device, so email, text, whatever, it's actually not a crime. They think it's free speech. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty shocking. Like I can tell, I can tell you case law in every state and you're like, it's more trash than the next. Like this is fucking wild. So he gets out like after a couple of weeks and then he comes to LA actively with the intention to harm me and kidnap me. That's wow. his new fantasy at this point. So he comes to LA. He tries to kidnap my dog. He goes to my eyelash salon, scares the shit out of everybody. And then I had heard, because he started emailing me about the Kardashians. So through some people, I got in touch with the Kardashian security who are these like, you know, ex-Massad security team and like no one's more like scary. And so I thought for sure that the ex-Massad security team was going to catch him, but that's not who caught him. What ended up happening was he wrote me and told me he was going to kidnap me from LA Comic-Con, not realizing that I know the owners. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to work out with them. We didn't want to scare anybody. They just hired extra security and had them dress as Batman and Superman. And when my soccer came to kidnap me, uh, they held him down because the kids were never in danger. It was they, they run such a great like it's yeah. so they're so good there. So they held him down, and then as he was taken in, uh, the Kardashians served the restraining order, which I knew. And then out of nowhere, Gwen Paltrow served her restraining order, which. I don't know exactly, but I've seen reports like something happened with him and her kid. Like, I don't know exactly. Right. I don't want to say, but like, yeah, mm -hmm. so this a real problem. And then a year later, I finally had my trial. And it's so funny because my husband's a lawyer and everyone like thinks that he did. And I'm like, no, I did all my own discovery. So like, I always, that's the thing. So, okay. So what I should backtrack is that through like during this time, Allison Stevenson, who's awesome, did a story about me for Vice calling, calling me the Aaron Brockovich of stalking and that went viral. And so at that point, because I'm so self-taught, I started teaching people like how to wipe their information off the internet, how to track an IP, how to look for GPS on your car, how to navigate law enforcement, the judicial system and all that kind of stuff. So that became like, it's literally every day of my life. So that's just a huge part of, of what I do because I'm like, this can't be for nothing. Like I have to, you know, work with people. So I show them how to get a restraining order. And I started doing human shield in court. And once um, a photo of me doing that went sort of viral. And now I have like 
almost a thousand people who wrote me who want to do it in their town. So we've been, if anyone wants to do that. That's really incredible. That whole thing is very, very incredible. The human thing is very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've myself have gotten a restraining order and I know how awful it is. Awful. I know how hard it is. And in mm-hmm. a way that you don't even realize is going to be like when you're faced with it like I am the type of person that doesn't cry and really doesn't show that Mm -hmm. much emotion I was a mess and I had a friend go with me and I never would have known I needed somebody there so to do that for other people is just so amazing well because that's what people don't realize unless you're in that position so people think like okay when you go to Olive Garden, they give you a little thing and it's like, ding, 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 your table's ready. We don't give people the dignity of that in court. You could be in the waiting room in the lobby with your offender for hours. Cause when guess what? It's, you know, it's a court thing when your case is that's you're never on time. It's always, so like, I, I always tell the story and I, I had just so people can understand, I was there getting a restraining order for somebody else. I saw this woman. I will never for the rest of my life, get her image out of my head. She was a young woman, younger than me, two black eyes holding a baby, right? And so I don't know if the guy was her ex-boyfriend, husband or what, he kept turning around and mad dogging her. And she Mm -hmm. finally just got and ran out. And I just thought I will like, as long as I cannot ever have that again. So now what I do, and it's kind of funny because I have a whole crew of like women who at one point were victims and now they're like empowered survivors. And so we can all, like, there's nothing better than when you all, this this whole group of bad bitches is just sitting around a woman. And then the guy, you're like, turn around, asshole, turn around. Like it's the best thing. And it really, Mm -hmm. really shifts it for people. So like, I love, I love doing that. And when court kind of resumes normally. Well, I think we'll do a lot more of that. But yeah, so I started, I started doing that work. Um, and then with my case, so California had a really garbage proposition that was passed a couple of years ago, 57, which most people don't know about, but 57, it made the following crimes considered nonviolent rape of an unconscious person, forced sodomy, human trafficking, stalking. Like it, you're just right. You're just like, Whoa. wow. So those are nonviolent. And so I like, what is rape of an unconscious person nonviolent because they're passed out? Like, are you kidding me? Like in what universe? So what ended up happening was even though I got a felony stalking max with my stalker four years is instantly two because of 57. So he got out in December, reoffended right away, like back and forth. But now because of COVID, they're just like letting everybody out. So I'm like, great. You're even letting sex offenders out into a world where you're wearing masks. So if they do something, you can't even ID them. Right. So there's, there's a lot going on right now. So yeah, my, my journey has been pretty crazy and I, yeah, I've done a lot of media along the way and you know, I just, it's, it's weird to do that. But at the same time, I have a platform, you know, and there's so many people, like I always have to be twice as loud for all the people because look at the face of this crime. I'm the anomaly. 7.5 million Americans, 97% it's relationships gone wrong. So if you're it's someone you had a kid with, like you, you can't, it's just, it's too much. So yeah, this is, it's a weird, like, yeah, I used to be the party person with the monkey and the thing and like now like this. So I just, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And like my sweet husband just puts up with everything. So I, it's great. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're a gift. So it's not really, it's not putting up with it. I just love it. Cause I'm always like, I'm doing this really scary, dangerous thing. And he's like, okay, like I just, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, he's just like, he just, he just says, okay, it's great. It's nice. I think our husbands are very similar in that respect. Yeah, so like I, I sure. try to explain what I'm doing, like, oh, we're going to throw all my my friends dressed as babies into a, a bloodbath. He's like, OK, I'm like, Do you, can you build us a, a human sized baby crib? He's like, OK, <laughs> it's beautiful. You guys are the best. Yeah. Well, to move on to something that sorry, so it's so dark. Sorry. Oh my god, no, not, not at all. all. I it's 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 so important, and 
because I mean, we are like a pop culture nerd podcast, but we do touch on a lot of more serious subjects and, it, and it's just something that people need to hear about. And I don't think that enough people talk about. And I think you're doing some really wonderful work and I applaud you. I, I really think that you're amazing. But I wanted to talk a little bit about movies. Please. Um, among your credits are Showgirls 2 mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Citizen Toxie. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And of course, we know that your dog's name is Nomi and your love of showgirls. And I didn't even realize your relationship to Tromo. Where did all that begin? How did you become a part of those things? Yeah. So 1998, I'm 18 years old. I meet a guy, Count Smokula, who was a, a Troma character. I actually had like a brief relationship with a guy who played Kabuki Man. There's some great photos I can send you. They're pretty funny. We're still friends. He's great. He's a really cool guy. Good guy. Um, and so back then LA had a Troma house. And so they'd have these like wild parties and I just started going to them. And like within a day, they're like, do you want to be? And it was, I, if you watch the bonus, I'm in the bonus footage for Citizen Toxie 4 because they'd already filmed the movie by the time I came around. So there's mm. like there's like footage of me like jumping around in the fountain with Kabuki Man who I was like hanging out at the time. It's like shaking my boobs and all crazy. Like that's that was that. And then I did another movie with them. I don't even think it came out called Free Ride. Like I mean I did like I was just like in some nothing nothing really that but you know it was trauma. Like it was just like a fun time. And mm-hmm. then and then the story and then actually weirdly through those same group of people um, I made friends with Rena Riffle, who's Penny Hope, you know. Um, and so when she was doing Showgirls 2, she actually wrote a part for me uh, called Emerald. I was supposed to be the goth stripper. And like, I'm such a bad actress. I w- I've been cut out of trauma. And I just <laughs> finally, well, I think I was cut out of Showgirls 2, but I don't care. I'm like a terrible actress. But the best part about it, which I guess it's like on the cutting room floor, was she wrote a scene for me where, so like in the movie, like I steal shoes. I don't know what that's all about, but I like, I'm a shoe stealing golf stripper. And like, I, one of the shoes that I steal, like as an like homage to the pole looking scene, I lick the heel. Okay. And I was like, I was like, yeah, like I was like, I thought it was so cool. But like, yes, technically I filmed it, but I just watched it and I, I think I was cut out. So it's okay. <laughs> That's like bragging it was, right within it. It was so. an honor. It was an honor to be there. Like, yeah. Yeah. So fine. Yeah. I can't even imagine how much fun that was. Yeah. So you're a casting director. Yeah. And uh, do you have any that do you have any fun stories about about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay. So my sort of niche. Well, first of all, my mentor is Dorana Fear, who did Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. So that's where I like learned my craft. But my sort of specialty, or as you can imagine, are sort of fringe, offbeat people. So I've cast My Strange Addiction. I cast Taboo. Like the, whenever you see something really just out of like, whoa, like I probably had something to do with it on TV. <laughs> um, so it's, it's been great. You know, it's like, for me, I love to validate anybody's existence and that when you, when TV is a, a beautiful platform, right? So if you can find the most like, you know, marginalized person who's misunderstood and be like, I'm going to give you a voice, right? So because the power of TV is like, there's going to be someone who's never been exposed to whatever that archetype is going, oh, well, that's not my thing, but they seem nice. And like, that's really a powerful thing. So that's, you know, it was just, it sort of made sense for me because as print media was dead, it it took my interview skills and, you know, searching for people and kind of combining those things. When I do, because what I do is I don't do those mass call shows. I don't do American Idol with a thousand people. Like I do, it's my dad was psychiatrist. As I mentioned, it's practically like a psych intake. Mm. You know, like it's, I get really deep and like, you know, sometimes it's like, you're sort of figuring out like, whose personality disorders will, will not mesh with other people's personality disorders if you put them in the house. You know, like there's a lot of that going on. Um, but it's great. Like back in the old day, like before, you know, 
Zoom and everything, they used to send us out. Like I'd spend six weeks in New Orleans to cast a show. So okay. I have wild stories, like really, really wild from <laughs> over the years. It, it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah. We'll just put a, a beautiful bow on this interview and ask you where our listeners can find you. Sure. Um, you can go to my website, lenoraclaire.com. And my handle is lenoraclaire at, you know, Instagram and Twitter. I, I haven't TikTok yet. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done that, but um, everywhere else is just my name. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This is so much fun. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. And I want to tell people if they're interested in potentially doing Human Shield, they can look up Victim Advocacy Project and just send an email in and just, you know, sort of give us like what city you're in. And, you know, that way we can start continuing to compile the list to sort of line people up. So that's something yes. that people can do. We did it. Thank you so much to our guest, Lenora Claire. What a fucking delight. Check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com for new episodes, news, and merch. Our Instagram, at Masters of the Obvious, Facebook, at Masters of the Obvious, and Twitter, at Masters of the O. Orgasm. Mm. And if you'd like to be a patron of our show, you can go to contribute.mastersoftheobvious.com. And if you'd like, we'll even mention you on the show. But if you want to remain anonymous, we understand. We don't want to be associated with us either. Please don't forget to leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening. And we love you, like, a lot.